0: Good morning. I'm really glad to be here with you today and to see some familiar faces. It's fun. Um, I am so grateful that Pastor Evan and Pastor Jody extended this invitation for me to come and to preach this morning. It's really exciting to be here, even if I don't know how to use your lapel mic clip. because It's a little bit bigger. We'll get it. All right. So, I am very, very excited to be here. Um, and I was thinking about what I could preach on this morning that would really make a lot of sense and be something translatable. Um, we've been going through the covenant affirmations at First Covenant in Omaha, and that's been really fun. But I just thought I would preach to you from my favorite passage. This is a passage that I just love. And um, it has to do with water. And I have found that anytime I need to make a really big decision or if I'm feeling really stressed that I am drawn to bodies of water whether that's the oceans or lakes um, and we moved here from Washington State about two years ago I guess almost two years ago in December it'll be two years and when we moved from Washington State I really missed those lakes because we lived right between Lake Washington and Lake Sammamish um, they were equal distant from our house and nearly, like, hardly a day went by when I didn't catch a glimpse of one of these big, beautiful bodies of water. And every time I see some huge body of water, it just makes me pause and catches my, catch my breath and think about our Creator and what God has done. And so here in Nebraska, I've had to find places like Standing Bear Lake or Lake Zerinsky, which are beautiful spots, or driving past the Platte River on the way here this morning. It just reminds me of how big our God is. And Nebraska has had lots of rain this year, so there's bodies of water everywhere. (laughs) Not exactly where we need them to be, though, right? So I decided to reflect on the theme of water this morning and to look at how God is at work in Scripture through the theme of water. It's a pretty prominent theme in Scripture. It's mentioned 450 times. And we should probably do a quick list of times when water is mentioned. And the kids could probably help me out here. You think about water in creation, when there's the flood, when the exodus happens, the people cross through the water on dry land, the woman at the well that we just heard read, when Naaman has to go dip in the water seven times to be healed. There's lots of language about rivers and seas. Water is an important theme in scripture. And today, I want to look at water as sacrament, water as chaos, and water as mission. And I love this idea of water as sacrament. And we use the sacrament of baptism in the covenant church to remind us what God has done for us in our lives. And Jesus came to this village where his followers were off baptizing people, they were introducing people to the kingdom of God, they were doing the work. Jesus is alone. He comes to this village. And baptism is still an important part of our Christian worship practices. It's a sacrament. It's a visible, tangible experience of the invisible grace. It's a mystery that we can't quite explain what happens when that water is sprinkled on our heads or when we're immersed, whether that happens when we're an infant or a small child or a teenager or an adult. We can't explain exactly what it is when that—what happens. It's a mystery. But we make vows as a church to care for that new believer. We make vows to God to follow him. It's a commitment to passing faith on to the next generation, to make new disciples. It's following the example of Jesus. I remember well when I was baptized. I was about 10 years old, I think. My mom's here. She would probably know. But when I was about 10 years old, my brother and I were baptized together because you had to be, I think, 8 to get baptized. So I had to wait for my little brother to turn 8 because he wanted us to be baptized together. And it was just this really beautiful moment after we went through our class with our children's pastor and we practiced our testimony and we picked out our favorite verse and we declared that we wanted to follow Jesus for the rest of our lives. And I can look back and I can remember that water. I can remember how it felt. We went to a really big church that was actually like a hot tub jacuzzi thing, and I thought that's what everybody did. I haven't seen that since. (laughs) It must have been pretty unique, (laughs) but um, it was just a beautiful moment when we dipped our feet in the waters of baptism, and in covenant orientation, um, I grew up Southern Baptist, and so I went to Fuller Seminary on the West Coast, and when I found the covenant, they made me take some more seminary classes through covenant orientation to find out about this amazing denomination that we're a part of. And we had a class where we got to remember the waters of our baptism, and it was a beautiful moment for me because there was just a bowl of water in the middle of the room, and we got to dip our hands and let that water run through our fingers as we remembered what it was that Christ did for us on the cross and through his resurrection how he taught us to live and to follow his example and I was just remember being especially touched at the moment when I thought wow with the cycle of water the water in this bowl very well could have been the exact same water that Jesus was touching because water is like that right it goes all over this planet it just moves all around and so I remember thinking wow this could be the same water that Jesus touched. And I'm touching it now, and I'm remembering that God hovered over the waters at creation, just like he hovers over my life. Just like Jesus hovered over the woman at the well. I loved hearing that, how water connects us all. I love thinking about how what we do upstream impacts countless people downstream. We receive the invisible grace of God, as it washes over every part of our lives and changes us. We're never the same after we experience that. The old has gone, and the new creation has been revealed. And while the disciples of Jesus are off baptizing new followers of Christ, Jesus stops by a well in the middle of the day and has one of my favorite interactions in Scripture. And this is where I want us to think about water as chaos. The storms in our lives often cause chaos. And the Samaritan woman is at the well in the middle of the day, all alone. And if you live in the desert, you know that high noon is not the time to go do hard labor, right? It's hot, it's, the sun is right above your head, and it's, it's actually unsafe and deadly to do this, right? Anybody with any reason would avoid doing hard labor, like pulling up heavy water and lugging heavy water jugs a mile back to town. You wouldn't do that in the hottest part of the day. And it makes you wonder why she didn't come in the cooler parts of the day, why she came alone, why she didn't come with friends. But Jesus knows that she is struggling. He knows that she has experienced turbulence in her life. And for this woman, water may have represented chaos or storms. In seminary, I had the opportunity to take a Hebrew exegesis class with my favorite professor, and she let me pick whichever book I wanted to focus on. And so I looked at the book of Psalms. And as I translated a lot of Hebrew, that I don't think I could still do today as well, maybe a little bit. But as I translated all of this, I was just struck by how often the psalms talk about water as chaos. Psalm 69 says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I have come into the deep waters. The floods engulf me. I am worn out calling for help. My throat is parched. My eyes fail looking for God. But I pray to you, Lord, in the time of your favor, in your great love, O God, answer me with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mire. Do not let me sink. Deliver me from those, wat- from those who hate me. Deliver me from the deep waters. Do not let the flood waters engulf me or the depths shallow me me up. Don't let the pit close its mouth over me." That's pretty powerful language. This person is struggling to see God and they literally feel like they're drowning. They can't touch the bottom anymore. And yet they cry out to God. And this woman at the well probably felt like she was sinking. Jesus acknowledges her pain and he reaches out to her. He knows that her life has not been easy. When we hear Jesus say, you have five husbands and the man you live with now is not your husband, I think we need to be really careful to remember what life was like for women back in the day. To our American ears, that statement could reflect that maybe she has commitment issues. Or maybe she could benefit from some really good marriage and family therapy or counseling. I've even heard it preached that this woman was the epitome of immorality. But I think that this woman's story is one that is full of pain and heartache and sorrow. Women didn't really have the option to divorce their husbands back then. So it's more likely that this woman had either experienced the death of her husbands or had been discarded for not being a good enough wife. Maybe she struggled with infertility. Maybe she was battling terrible, debilitating depression and just couldn't get out of bed in the morning. Maybe she made terrible meatloaf. We don't know the reason. We don't know why these men had cast her aside. But Jesus is not condemning her with his acknowledgement about her living situation. Jesus had no problem telling people to go and sin no more, and he doesn't say that to this woman. Instead, he speaks directly into her chaos, the storms in her life, and he names them. She must have felt like her life was about to wash out to sea when Jesus gave voice to her struggle and named her pain. I have lived a fairly privileged life, My parents worked hard to give me a safe and happy childhood. I had all of the bikes and slip and slides and new shoes that a girl could ever want. And I had the option to go to whatever college I wanted. My mom made me study and do all my homework, so I was well set for that. I was able to jump into seminary with just the next step. I married a really great guy, and I have two super adorable kids. And I've been able to serve in churches that are really fabulous. My life has been very blessed. In fact, if I just put a picture on Instagram, it would say blessed. But that doesn't mean that I haven't encountered storms. There's been times in my life when I have felt like it was overwhelming. That I was barely treading water when I could relate to that person in Psalm 69. And maybe you can relate to that feeling. But I can tell you without a doubt that those are the moments when God felt the most real to me. When I was calling out saying, I'm not sure that you're there, but I will call out to you anyways. And God answered me. When the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear that it's going to be okay. When Jesus jumps into the water to rescue me. And he says, stop struggling. I've got you. Do you remember the story of Jesus out on the water with his disciples? This is another favorite of mine. He's taking a nap in the front of the boat, and a huge storm blows up. Now, I get really seasick. So it would not take many, much waves to like, make me really nervous in a boat. It wouldn't take much. But these dudes were fishermen. So I'm guessing that when they say it was a big storm, that it was like a big storm. They knew what to do in the water. They knew how to handle their boat. This was a big storm and they were scared. They woke up Jesus and they said, how can you be sleeping at a time like this? Don't you care if we die? People call me dramatic. I don't think I've ever gone that far to shake someone and say, don't you care if I die? Jesus stood up and he spoke to the waves. He doesn't say anything to his disciples. He speaks to the chaos and he says, peace, be still. And scripture tells us that the storm instantly stopped. The disciples looked at each other and they said, who is this? that the wind and the waves obey him. And I think this should get the award for the best rhetorical question in Scripture because, duh, he's God. The same God that the psalmist is crying out to rescue him is the same God who reached out over those waters and said, peace, be still. He said, I am sinking in the miry depths. Save me from the overwhelming waves. Don't you care if I drown? (coughs) Excuse me. When Jesus calmed the storm for the disciples, he revealed to them that he was God over all creation. When Jesus calms the storms in our lives, whether it's a little one that's going to go through quickly or it's a big one that shatters your life, he still reminds us that he's God. And sometimes these storms take the form of cancer or conflict with a loved one or financial problems or struggling at school or sometimes, like we've seen this spring, an actual flood. It may even be a storm cloud of doubt that has washed over your heart. You may not even know what questions you want to ask God. But I want you to know this, that Jesus is in the boat with you. Your prayers are heard by the God of all creation. Know that God is longing to bring the true peace of this, to this world, the shalom that it talks about in the Old Testament. The idea of wellness and wholeness in every area of your life. It's not the gospel that says everything's going to be easy and you're going to have plenty of money in your bank account, so send $5 right now to this hashtag. It's not that. It's shalom. It's peace, knowing that no matter what storm blows up onto your shore, God is with you and you can withstand the storm. Jesus may have not solved the living situation for the Samaritan woman. He didn't put her on Match.com and hook her up with a really nice person. But he brought peace to her heart by letting her know that her prayers had been heard and that she wasn't alone. We receive the saving grace of God, and we experience that peace that surpasses all of our capabilities to understand And then the third thing water reminds us to do is to move in action. Water becomes a mission. Um, About three years ago, I did something really crazy, which I'm a seven on the Enneagram, so fun and adventure are like two of the things I can always make space for. Um, I left my husband with the kids on Halloween night, and I jumped on an airplane to go to Mumbai, India. And I had never been to Asia before, But I had heard so much about the work of the Hindustani Covenant Church that I jumped at an opportunity to go meet some people over there. So for two years, the kids at my former church in Seattle had been raising money for Project Blue. I don't know if any of you went to Chick, not this last time, but the time before. We were raising money for Project Blue, um, and that was to bring clean water to communities in need. And we learned about how a lot of time, kids, especially girls, are often forced to choose between school or collecting water for their families. And how they would spend the day walking to get clean waters for their family to drink, for their family to cook with, to clean with. So after two really long plane rides, and hours in a minivan through the craziest traffic you cannot even imagine, I found myself walking through a field outside the city of Solapur, And it was November by then, but it was hot. And I could see huge cracks in the soil. And there were lots of spiky plants around. And it felt like a hot Texas afternoon. I asked if they had any rattlesnakes, kind of half-joking. And they said, oh, no, 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 just vipers we came over a hill, and we rounded a corner to see a small house in the distance. And these beautiful women came out to greet us, and they were dressed in saris that were just beautiful colors and sparkles, orange and red and greens and blues. They placed small dots on our foreheads as a blessing. They told us that water is life. That's what they wanted us to know, that the water is life. And then through the interpreters, they shared how the Hindustani Covenant Church had helped them by digging a deep water reservoir, like a cistern, to help collect the rainwater so that they could grow crops over a longer season. She grew tomatoes and onions and spicy peppers and maize. We sat under a tree on a blanket, and they told us about how this water had changed their lives. I told them that with all of these things they laid in front of me on the blanket, all we needed was cilantro to make some really good salsa. And the next farm we stopped at, one of the little boys who had been kind of following us around throughout the day handed me this huge armful of cilantro (laughs) that he had found. (laughs) Their hospitality was truly overwhelming. And then we stopped at a school, and we were surrounded by hundreds of adorable little kids in their uniforms. And they were so excited because it was the very first day that their water well was going to be opened. A brand new pump had been installed. And they were so proud of this pump because it was a Swedish missionary who designed the pump model, and they wanted us to know all about it. And this would provide clean, safe drinking water for the kids while they were at school, a place for them to wash hands, a place for them to fill up their water bottles. Can you imagine going to school and not having access to clean water all day? And all of this was done because the people of the Hindustani Covenant Church have experienced the life-changing grace of God. They're compelled to spread the light and love of Christ to their neighbors. Every well that they drill is an opportunity for them to share the living water while they give someone a drink. And this is helping people who live in the darkness to see a great light. Water truly is life. And the Samaritan woman at the well experienced Jesus firsthand, and she couldn't keep it to herself. This is my favorite part. Are you ready? You don't look ready. Okay. This woman, who went to the well all alone, in the heat of the day, to avoid everyone because she was so covered in shame. She ran back to the town and told everyone about Jesus. How incredible is that? Instead of hiding from people and covering up and avoiding, she ran to the people to tell them about the living water that she had experienced. Imagine what life would be like If every single one of us left this place and went back and told every single one of our neighbors about Jesus Christ. Would your church look different next Sunday? Maybe. Would people's lives be transformed? I think so. Pretty sure. At least one life would be. We don't know what this woman said to her neighbors or how the Samaritans were changed but we know that there was an impact made. And I love that she went to introduce them to the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ, to preach about the peace that Jesus brought to her storm-filled life. Because her life was changed by an interaction with Christ. So I want you to take just a minute, and you can close your eyes if you want to, but think about how your life has been changed by Jesus. Think about the storms in your life that Jesus has stepped into and said, Peace, be still. Or maybe you need to be reminded that Jesus will say that. And then I want you to think about somebody, and I want you to picture someone's face in your mind. Somebody who you might encounter this week that needs to hear your story. That needs to hear about how you have encountered the grace of God, how you have seen the peace that has come through the storms. Who do you need to tell that to? Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for this opportunity to be together. Thank you for bringing us together as your people. God, we thank you for the ways that you are at work in our lives, those mysterious, amazing moments we have where we feel your grace in a tangible way. God, as we go out today, as we wash our hands or fill up a glass with water, remind us of our baptism. Remind us that you have called us to be your children. God, as we look out at a hurting world, Remind us that you are longing to bring your peace to the broken spots. And God, send us out that we might proclaim the good news to those who are hurting and broken. Remind us and encourage us, send your spirit to give us the words and the boldness so that lives can be transformed, so that we can experience your living water as we see it pour out over someone else's life. God, we thank you for being present here with us today in Lincoln. We love you, God, and we thank you for calling us your kids. In Jesus' most holy name we pray, amen.